you know, identifying things that remain customer centric that that enable us to market with integrity and with compassion, mm-hmm. but which but which nonetheless enable us to communicate more effectively. And so that's that's an inquiry that never ends. You hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. Hey, welcome to The Truth About Marketing, the show where we dig deep with the real marketing experts to understand exactly what works and what doesn't so that we can affect change in our businesses and the lives of our best customers. Uh, With me today is a dear friend, Michael Fishman. Michael, thanks for being on the show with us. Oh my goodness, super pumped to be here, man. Thanks, man. Um, Michael, I've known you uh, for a few years now. I, I feel um, very privileged to be invited twice now to your yearly uh, summit called the, the Consumer Health Summit. Uh, it's an amazing gathering of the brightest minds in consumer health services and, and, and marketing uh, I've never experienced anything like it. It, it. It's an event that I anticipate all year long. I don't say that lightly. I don't say that flippantly. This is I'm not blowing smoke here. And anyone who goes to CHS says the same thing. It's it, it, it's like this family that changes a little every year, but the quality somehow only gets higher. Could could you sort of frame a little bit what CHS is? And I should mention that. Uh, just in case anybody thinks this is some kind of pitch, it's it's a very closed door event, invite only. So sorry for the tease, <laughs> but could you talk about uh, CHS a little bit and how it came to be? Sure. Uh, thanks, Kevin. It, uh, Consumer Health Summit, or CHS as we call it, is really a passion project. I'm not in the event business, even though I've done you know a few events here and there. But CHS, I started in 1994 as a client dinner, a private dinner, about 18 or 20 people. Mm. Uh, some legendary people were there, including Eugene Schwartz. Wow. Uh, and uh, and that was a client dinner. Then it became a full-day event, including people beyond uh, clientele into influencers and other entrepreneurs and other personalities in consumer health. And uh, so ran for as one full day for quite a few years. And then maybe after 10 years or so, uh, took it into two days, um, ultimately charged for it after it was re- essentially free for the first 10 years. But it has always been, you know, curated as, as an invite only event. It's not marketed, it's not recorded. So right. it's quite a safe space. Um, it's very hard to find an ego there. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're just, you're really, it's just, it's a group, as you've experienced, it's a group of people that, um, if anything, trip over themselves t- to be as helpful as possible to every other person. And, you know, the interest, and this is, the, you know, with the actionable piece for other masterminds or other venues or either pe- even people that just go to, you know, quote unquote networking events, mm-hmm. when you show up with the intention to help as many people as you can, that is actually the, the way to leave with the most value for yourself. And that's, and that's essentially, you know, the soul of CHS. That's right. That's a great, great description. And that is the energy that, that you assemble there. And I, the way I put it into perspective for people, anybody who's in copywriting 
or studies marketing on the level that is required to succeed certainly knows about the legendary copywriter Gary Bensavenga. And I tell people to appreciate this event, you have to understand that Gary goes to no events and he's a hero among copywriters. So for me to, I never thought I'd be in a room with Gary Bensavenga, but I look around the room and Gary is like just the cherry on top of this amazing Sunday as I'm looking around going, wow, 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 wow. Oh no. And Gary's here too. <laughs> you yeah. know, so, uh, you know, on any other day, it would be enough just to, just to see Gary, but, uh, it, it's just incredible. And, 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 yeah, and, and by the way, I mean, he is as much a student as anybody. That's right. You know, yeah. He's, he's, he's got as many, he's taking as many notes Mm-hmm. He's asking as many. I mean, he's as curious as uh, a newly minted student, you know. So, yes. and that's that. That is inspirational as well. That's a great point you bring up. I've, I noticed that early in my career, when I was still very green, going to lots of conferences, that many of the speakers and the people who inspired me the most would be right there next to me, taking notes the whole time. Uh, I remember Perry Marshall very distinctively sitting in every. Uh, talk where a lot of people type of events where people tend to gather in the hall, which certainly does not happen at Consumer Health Summit. But, you know, uh, that tends to happen, especially with the marketers, the more experienced people. They think, ah, we know it all. Let's just hang out in the hall. Perry sits and takes notes. And like you say, it's 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 the great minds in our business who never stop being curious and looking for that that one great idea that they can capitalize on. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think it, it boils down to as soon as you think you're done learning, you're actually done pretty much with everything because, you know, I mean, number one, our world is changing much too quickly <clears throat> to ever assume that we're done. Um, you know, the people you and I know and the ecosystem and the community in marketing, uh, in, in the health community and beyond, <clears throat> um, I think we're all perpetual learners. And yeah. the fact that, and the fact that our marketing and our efforts and our ideas are so specifically measurable um, drives that learning process to always find that next angle. Um, you know, identifying things that remain customer centric that that enable us to market with integrity and with compassion, mm-hmm. but which but which nonetheless enable us to communicate more effectively. And so that's that's an inquiry that never ends. That's great. That's great. Well put. So, Michael, um, I'm fascinated at this because you've been in this business uh, quite a while. Um, you know, you've been a consultant and investor in the consumer health space for over 20 years now. And uh, you've seen many, many, many uh, marketing tests. And I know that you're a deeply principled guy and that you study consumer behavior on a level that most people would not. And that you to some degree, can pride yourself on creating predictable results for people. So I love the chance to ask you the essential question of this podcast, which is, what is the one thing that you've tried or seen in marketing that produced the most surprising results? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I love this, Kevin. Um, Look, I I think... All of us, no, no matter how well we think our crystal ball, you know, tells the future, sometimes we get our head handed to us. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, and uh, I mean, there was 
There, I mean, a couple things. Um, I mean, w- one one that I observed, and, and another that I was specifically a part of. Um, you know, sometimes companies, publishers, product companies have great ideas, and and that could be an idea of the founder, an idea of an editor, or a product formulator. And if you're lucky enough and have the resources, um, you know, com- you know, companies survey their customers before they launch a product to gauge the interest in that product, right. you know, right in terms of a description of it, the title, um, you know, as specifically as one can gauge interest such that when you launch, you have a pretty good idea that you're going to get a warm reception. Um, and I've seen past, uh, situations where that kind of research was done and all the validating exercises came through, uh, with green lights, essentially, and yet something fails nonetheless. Hmm. Uh, that, you know, in that case, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very significant surprise. Um, the publisher of Prevention, uh, Rodale, with whom I, you know, who I supported for, you know, almost 20 years hmm. um, in marketing strategy, you know, they had a book called New Choices in Natural Healing, which launched with two separate creative teams, two entirely different creative approaches. And this was offline marketing and direct mail channel. And both, you know, two world-class creative teams and both flopped, hmm. both flopped. But, you know, there's something that we all think about, which Dean Graziosi actually t- uh, calls marketing stamina, hmm. which is to have a good sense, have enough research, have enough understanding of your business to know that when something flops, it's not necessarily a product problem, but rather creative execution, which is really the subject of, of your program. Right. Um, and... You know, not coincidentally, after two flops from two world-class creative teams, uh, Rodale had enough belief in the product and in the research supporting its launch to bring in Gary Bensavenga in kind of a, you know, all-or-nothing effort to launch this book. And, you know, he wrote a piece that ultimately created a historic success. Wow. So, you know, the, a couple things there. Number one... Um, a failure it can be creative execution, not a, a, a fatal flaw in the product, um, and that bombs can turn into winners. I mean, it, it, it's that much of a turnaround. Um, creative execution can actually be a four or five, you know, you know, sometimes you know, four to five x improvement in overall response, which which literally turns a bomb into you know something very very successful. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the other thing is that a, a couple of years ago I was involved with, uh, you know, a, a very dear friend, um, who has a, a very significant platform and community in, in the consumer space with food and cooking and health. And I, in, in the beginning of my work with her, I gave her every thing that I knew and could ever count on to work as reliably as gravity, you know, like, <laughs> like. It, you know, the physical laws of the universe <laughs> were, were the degree of certainty that I had with this thing. Hmm. And, uh, you know, ha, you know, she ha, her business has a, a brand name, and I had her put her personal name as the from in the emails and really humanized that and, you know, created some changes in the opt-in function on both the homepage and the blog page to really harness and and uh, acknowledge the psychology that happens on homepages versus blog pages and these kinds of things, and it all bombed. 
<laughs> wow. You know, I mean, it was so in my face um, in a way that I could have never anticipated. Wow. And, you know, look, it was a good lesson. Yeah. Because um, there, there actually is nothing as, as, as reliable as, as a physical law in marketing. And, you know, the key, I, th- I think the key there is, which, which most people adhere to if they're smart um, and if they're managing their risk, which is that everything has to be tested no matter how great it looks. Um, or even no matter how much it adheres to uh, the structure or the formula of something that has worked previously, um, you know, the time moves on, opportunities change, the market changes, the consciousness in our, in our markets changes, and you just never know. You just never know. Right. Yeah. Um, boy, boy, it hurts, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, it, it stings. It stings. Um, and that, you know, that was actually a project that I did on spec. And I said, look, let's work together for 30 days. I'll give you the best of what I have. And if after 30 days it hasn't performed, then no harm, no foul. You know, there's no charge for my time and service and, you know, and, and contribution. Yeah. And, you know, two weeks into the month, I said, when I won't bill you for this month because it's clear this stuff isn't working. <laughs> That is wow! That's incredible. Yeah, and, and so you you name some great examples of how it, it'll never be completely predictable. You know, times change, markets change. Uh, did you were you able to identify one key factor that that led to the surprising failure? You know, it's it's a great question, and I. Um, you know, I, I, I'm of the belief that even for companies and blogs and businesses that are not positioned with human beings like Oprah, Martha Stewart, Tony Robbins, I mean, really strong, iconic personal brands, for businesses that are not positioned with human beings, I still am of the belief that when you, human, when you nonetheless humanize a business by having its founder or having its leader or having its, its principal teacher or author, even peripherally visible, you know, just kind of warming up the situation from the sidelines and a little bit visible. I'm a believer that that is always a benefit because ultimately our readers and our customers want to be led and they resonate more with human beings than with non-human brands and actually frequently can, will spend more money and participate more robustly over time, what we call lifetime value, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really the the premise that I was coming from. But I think what it turned out is that this brand in the cooking and food space is so beloved um, that, look, as a tribute, it's a tribute to what they're doing that, um, you know, adding the name of the founder, adding the name of the lead author didn't have, didn't make a huge difference in the outward face and in the marketing of their business because their business is so beloved and their readers and community are so loyal that it, it didn't create a measurable result. Hmm. To do to do something that in another situation could right. could create a dramatic improvement. Yeah, great. Well put. Well put. And this person is is couldn't be lovelier. And I'm I hate to tease people like this. And maybe you'll indulge and share. But uh, I happen to know who you're talking about. And and she is very present on the site now. So clearly, uh, you know, I don't want people to think. Well, maybe she just wasn't appealing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Certainly not the case. Well, this, yeah, and it, it, and it, it's not a tease. It's just honoring a confidentiality. Yeah, sure. But you know, the, I mean, the key, 
I, I don't think it's instructive necessarily to name it other than to say that um, – I was going to make a point here, Kevin mm-hmm. – um, you know the the key is the key is is the balance of of the presence of of the founder yeah. and the and the and the visibility and the equity and the affection for the name of that business right yeah um, you know i mean when you're when you're not you know personal brand inc when you have a a, a brand that you that you're sort of trying to balance with your own personal name yeah um, you know, that's, that's the, that's kind of the, the balance that you're trying to strike. Sure. Um, so, uh, the, the fact, the fact that we couldn't get a measurable result by, by bringing more emphasis to her personal name mm-hmm. actually showed how, how strongly she's developed her community. Yeah. Great point. And it's one of these businesses where the title itself, uh, in, in many ways encompasses the USP. And, and so it's, it's really targeted, strong marketing. That's a, a phenomenal point. Phenomenal point. The name of the business is itself the promise. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, I'll just talk about this one minute more just because one of my, I don't have time for television, Michael. <laughs> there are shows, uh, you know, I'm not against television. Uh, it can be a waste of time, but I'm in, I'm in a position where I'm just too busy. But one show my wife and I just indulge in is Next Food Network Star. Mm-hmm. I love this show. It's it's a marketing study in action. It's right. a, it's a, you know human uh, drama, and it's always fascinating to me what goes on with with, with that show because it, it is about it, a personality can only get you so far. If you got to be able to bring the goods, I mean you're 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 serving dishes every week to Giada and and Bobby Flay, and you know the food has to win at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. I think it, 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 it speaks to what you're saying that um, really understand, yes, because I'm with you 100% on, and I'm always consulting people, get out in front of the product. You know, who's right. in, whose is this? You know, who are yep. people communicating with here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that hasn't been thought through, that needs to be thought through. But when you're starting a business, maybe you you should consider like really what is up front here. You know, is it is it me the is it me the person or you know don't let your personality, uh, you know, um, trick you into thinking that people don't need a great product as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, and absolutely. And look, there. I mean, in terms of building a sustainable business, there are many more implications which we could discuss. You know, all day and beyond. Um, you know, it's it's harder to sell a business ultimately right. that rests on the back of one person, particularly in the positioning of that business. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it is striking a balance because a, a well-formulated business uh, with a personal brand arguably, you know, gets more loyalty and gets, you know, uh, support and gets more lifetime value. And by the way, when I think about dollars or how many dollars in a launch or lifetime value, to me, the immediate translation is how many people were helped. Sure. You know, I mean, and I don't care if people are selling golf clubs, you know, rosebuds or or vitamins. Um, it, it's about helping people and giving them the what they want, and that's I always translate into that because I never want to lose the fact that we're supporting human beings. Right. Uh, but um, you know, with that said, um, you know, there's there's many many implications in terms of of the viability of a business long term. And the ability to exit that business, if you're if you're building a real business versus something that 
will um, sort of wane and and deflate when the founder loses interest. Right, and, and it also affects how present you'll need to be even on the in the in the ride up. As right. you know, Mike Michael Gerber talks a lot about this in the E Myth, how you know at what point can you step away and have things not fall apart? And if, well, right, being in it versus on it, exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, great, great stuff. Well, thank you for sharing. A uh, most people, you know, just look for the this great opportunity to brag <laughs> about the genius moment of inspiration that created a huge windfall. So, well, look, I mean, look, you know, I'm not even a big sports guy, but sometimes the analogies are perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the people that hit the most home runs or, or you know, any, anything in sports, you know, the, the best are, bat, or, you know, they're batting 300. I mean, you know, whatever it is, but the, yeah. the, best, the best in any sport or business strike out a lot. That's right. Yeah. Um, so the the name of the game is to test enough to actually have a sufficient number of failures. If you're if all your tests are winning, you're not testing enough, and that's a pretty good way to look at things. Um, right. Because to to really identify the boundaries of your messaging and even the size of your of your prospect market, you have to push. You know, and pushing means being a little bit daring. I mean, you want to stay in voice. You want to stay congruent. You don't want to get into shiny object marketing, in my opinion. Um, But you do want to, inside of that voice, you know, take chances. Um, Because if you're you're not failing, you're not really identifying the boundaries of, of your ability to communicate and your ability to expand your impact. Man, you are the most quotable guest I've ever had. (laughs) <laughs> and I tell you what, my bullet writer is going to love you because <laughs> you're doing the work for him as we speak. I love it, Michael. And you're not a copywriter, so it's it's even more amazing. Um, I'd like to, if you don't mind, just spend a minute on, on a topic that you've been educating me about, and, uh, if not directly um, in, in that we're part of a, a, a company together. Uh, where we both um, consult and provide uh, marketing leadership. And that issue is uh, gender neutrality. Mm-hmm. And this is I know, something you're very passionate about. And it's something I'm, I want to say, I've always been aware of, of course, but I'm, I'm newly passionate about it. Because yeah. I really feel that there is a shift. And I don't know if this is me being myopic. But I, I feel that there are people now in the spotlight uh, who have taken the idea of uh, equality to new levels. And as the father of a nine-year-old girl, this is incredibly personal to me. But when I see people out there like Ronda Rousey and the U.S. women's soccer team and, and the way they're embraced across all mediums, uh, in in um, the way they hold themselves up, not as one-dimensional sports figures, but as people of the world, young women of the world, with all the pressure that that entails, and do a, a, a great job of being very real. You know what? I, one thing I love about Ronda Rousey—I don't know if you're familiar with her, Michael—but she's the UFC champion fighter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she she really fought to get in the spotlight with Dana White, who, who runs the UFC. He said, no, you know, nobody wants to watch two women beat each other up. 
And she said, I think you're wrong. I, I think you're not seeing the big picture. And of course she was right. But when you see her interviewed, uh, she's just, she is really herself. And I think it's incredibly empowering for, for young women to, to say, you know what, I get to do whatever I can dream of and, uh, and, and make it my own. So um, I don't know how eloquent that was or wasn't, but I appreciate that this is a passion topic for you. Uh, so if, if people are out there thinking about how do I appeal to both men and women with my product, it's not as simple, I don't think, as having uh, two icons on your homepage that say, click here if you're a man, click here if you're a woman. That, that's one right. way to do it. Right. But what's, what are better ways of doing it, Michael? Well, it's, um, man, you, you, you just asked the best questions. And, uh, you know, this is, this is not a defensive statement, but the fact of the matter is anybody that knows me knows I'm, I'm completely gender blind in terms of business and life. You know, I, I just, that's just how I am. Mm. Um, so I, I don't, I don't see, uh, I'm not looking at, um, limiting gender roles <clears throat> or even traditional gender roles the way our parents and grandparents may have lived or thought about the world. Um, so that, you know, where I'm coming from is that in the fundamental psychology of men and women, regardless of who's head of household, regardless of what activities they participate in, regardless of what the income might be, you know, in a single person or in a partnership, you know, marriage, whatever, like, um, in our fundamental psychology there, I don't think there's any escaping male and female energies right? Mm -hmm. and male and female biology. Right. And so for that reason, the way in which we communicate with each other and the way in which businesses communicate to consumers and readers, um, you know, it, it can be measurably, it can be measured um, if, if one, I mean, look, we can read copy and, and evaluate it through many different lenses, mm -hmm. right? We can look for compassion. We can look for benefits. We can look for community. We can look for uh, timeliness. You know, there's so many lenses through. I mean, when I read copy to review, there's maybe six or seven times through, each looking through a different lens. Mm. So with that in mind, there's, there's certain words have, you know, male and more dominant male or female energy in them. And so when we talk to people, not only in their awareness, but in their unawareness or in their reptilian brain or survival-based brain, if you will, mm -hmm. or what I sometimes call the can't tell, what they can't report on, but which nonetheless is operating in their brain, you know, that's where we will resonate and be more effective and in fact be more compassionate when we acknowledge the fact that, that you know, men a lot of times speak one way and women speak another, even if the subject matter is what we might consider to be gender neutral. Now, uh, to me, a truly gender neutral subject would be money. Okay. So, you know, and people have tried to do money products for women and, you know, there's a huge site called Daily Worth, which is doing an amazing job. Amanda Steinberg running that, uh, you know, supporting women with financial advice. But f for the most part, money is a gender neutral subject. And, and, you know, I think the language is less, is less critical, although it's always worthwhile to review language through that lens among the many others that I mentioned. Um, but when you have the, the key, because what I've seen, Kevin, over the years is that even a product that looks gender neutral, mm -hmm. when you put it in the marketplace, you may end up with 70% men coming in and buying. And you say, wow, I never could have dreamed that. But 70% of the of the buyers 
even when marketing to, you know, kind of a 50-50 general audience, we're, 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 we're overrepresented in terms of the number of buyers that are men mm-hmm. or women, whatever it is. So sometimes you think you have a gender-neutral product or service, and, and it isn't. Right. A higher price point generally will attract more men. That's not a sexist statement. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. A, a company that has no reputation preceding it, meaning an unknown brand or an unknown company or an unknown person, by and large and historically will attract more men than women because it appears women need more trust and more, uh, you know, of, of they need to be more, maybe, you know, uh, previously aware of you. Mm-hmm. than. And I mean, these are things I've validated hundreds of times. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, b- beyond the way in which men and women have evolved in their work roles and their family roles in contemporary society, which I acknowledge a thousand percent, there are still ways that the brain will resonate with language and messaging right. that are that are you know very specifically male or female. Right. Now, in a situation where you say you're launching something, you, you don't know yet what the audience will be, and uh, you you do your best to not write to a, a, a gendered avatar, so to speak, and then you do get like a seventy thirty s- split. Um, do you ever? You go back and look at the copy and say, "Hmm, are we leaning are we more t- testosterone heavy here than we realized?" Or do you then uh, shift or start to uh, market differently based on those numbers? Well, amazing question because sometimes you need to essentially learn the lesson and say, "Whoa, the market just told us we're positioned differently." Mm. And then the question becomes: Is that a, is that a product? Is that a is that an attribute or a, or a characteristic of the product or of the messaging. Right, so right. You know, like did the messaging drive that, that, that result or, or, the, or the essence of the product itself? And that's important to distinguish. Right. Um, you know, and then you get, in, you get into some testing. But, but look, ultimately, you know, we can't move the market, right? We can't, you know, the market is like, changing the market is like holding back the ocean, right? <laughs> right, it, yeah. It, it's not, so... When you when the market shows you something which is clearly like a market driven result, then you 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 speak to the result. You don't you don't try to change. You know we can't move the market. It's too big to ever move. All we can do is give the market what it wants, or trigger the market in in some sort of um, you know in in, in, in what I call latent demand. Hmm. You know, um, I mean, iPods, you know, the, you know, some of the early Apple products triggered latent demand. No one ever said, I need an iPod. Right, right. Uh, but, you know, there was enough usefulness in there that, you know, a, a latent demand or a dormant demand was enlivened or, or ignited hmm. by, by providing something that had a convenience and a, and a, you know, anyway, that whole story. Got to have it factor. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, Michael, I want to respect your time, but you're just one of these guys I could talk to all day long. Uh, and maybe maybe you'll you'll um, uh, grant us a part two at some point because there's so many topics we didn't even get to that I know you have great thoughts on. But I quickly want to bring up uh, a, a forthcoming a project called that you revealed at the last Consumer Health Summit that was really sh- stricken by. It's called Start One, Stop One. And uh, it, it, it's a great, it's one of these, the, the premise is so simple uh, that 
it, it, it almost defies logic. So talk about what this is and, and how you see it affecting uh, people in a positive way. Yeah. Well, I, thanks, Kevin. And, um, <clears throat> you know, what we see in many, in many, in the range of categories where we're giving people information to, to be better, to be better tomorrow than they are today in whatever way, relationship, money, health, fitness. Yeah. Um, for the most part, people that are motivated do nothing. Um, motivation is, is not a sustainable state of, of mind and, it, and for the, and sadly it doesn't generally lead to action. Um, but action can lead to motivation mm. more reliably. And so, um, start one, stop one is, is a, we'll be launching momentarily meaning in the next few weeks and, and is, and will be a, uh, a very large consumer platform, if not movement as it's currently envisioned. Mm-hmm. Um, enabling people to take simple actions, i.e. start one thing and stop another, from what they already know. Because our, our, our English-speaking public in, in the U.S. and beyond has been uh, you know, receiving so many messages about health and wellness and diet and fitness and longevity for several decades. And the best of that marketing, Kevin, as you know, because you create a lot of it, has content and, and useful information embedded in it. Right. So whether people have ever bought anything or not in, in health or wellness, most people, I believe virtually everybody, could at least name one thing they could start, one thing they could stop, and they'd be correct about it. Mm. That, that would be supportive and, and even noticeably uh, a noticeable improvement in their health or wellness or energy or pain relief or weight or whatever that might be. So this is, a, this is really about start one, stop one is really enabling people to take baby steps, to feel accomplishment, to feel successful. I think in most categories of self-improvement, people's most familiar experience of themselves, if they look backwards, is one of disappointment, if not failure. Right. Because, because people either don't take action or they do take action and they don't get a result or they get a result and they don't sustain the result. Um, so there's, so this is really about helping millions and millions of people take action, feel good about what they've done and actually, you know, sustain a result and then, you know, get inspired to do more for themselves. I love it. And it's start the number one, stop the number one.com. And if you want a lesson in, uh, simplicity and clarity of message, I, I suggest you visit that site, uh, great image up top. Uh, of a crushed soda can and some uh, somebody walking away, clearly in exercise shoes, and then there's a line in the in the concrete. Uh, it's almost subliminal. It's very effective, um, and just every word on the page has a purpose. And you know, above the fold, under the photo, the first thing you see is it's simple. Just a, a lot. I think this is a great to me, example of all the things that you hold dear, Mike, Michael. So thank I, I think this is going to be a huge success for you. I'm excited to share yeah, thank, with everyone. Thank you, buddy. And I, I'll, I'll just tease one thing. And maybe if, mm-hmm. if, if I have the honor of, of, of a part two here, uh, we can get into this thing that I call words to outlaw. Mm-hmm. The, the words habit and change will never be used in this platform. Interesting. Because of how people have just a fierce resistance both in their awareness and in their unawareness to those. I mean, I think those words are a recipe for failure. And so one of the, those words are actually outlawed from this platform and we're going to find ways to never use them. (laughs) Well, I love that. That's a great concept. The the words you don't use are just as important as the words you do use. 
Right. Huge. Okay, Michael, thank you so much for your time. I want to respect it, and you've given us uh, great gifts today. So uh, I hope we can do it again, and I really appreciate you. Thank you so much, Kevin. A, a lot of my friends and heroes have been uh, uh, shared this platform, so it's, it's an honor to be here, and I really appreciate you. So thank you. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Hey, thanks for listening to another fine episode of the Truth About Marketing podcast. I do appreciate your time. I know you have lots of choices. And if you're loving this podcast, I'm loving having you listen to it. And let's celebrate our relationship, won't we, with a review, (laughs) a five-star review on iTunes.com. You know, that's how they judge these things, right? iTunes looks at how many people rate and review your podcast, and then they decide if it's worthy of telling other people about. So if you think this is a good podcast and you think other people like you should hear it, if you go to iTunes and rate and review the show, that's the best way to get the word out. Really appreciate it. If you want to learn more about how to improve your copy, you can do that on the inside at copychief.com and visit copychief.com forward slash T-A-M to get all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode. The Truth About Marketing podcast is produced by James Clouser, graphics by Cassie Clouser, and the bullets for this show, so handily displayed for you, written by Dan Ludgater. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.